When I go in that show pen, it needs to be natural, so I try not to think about anything. Sometimes I come out and they say, did you hear, the, did you hear me cheer? And I'm like, no, nope, I didn't hear you. From Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Feel. I'm your host, Caitlin Hurst. We're back, and today we are returning to our reigning roots with an NRHA 2019 Top 20 professional. Nathan Piper is a multi-time futurity NRBC and Derby finalist. Last year alone, he brought home the NRBC and AQHA World Championship titles, all while successfully coaching non-pros to their wins, like Blair McFarland's Level 1 NRHA Futurity win. He's also a husband to his wife, Jean, and a father to his two daughters, Millie and Etta. They live and run the business out of Pilot Point, Texas. Nathan, so excited to have you with us. Thank you. So let's start with last year. You had some serious success aboard Patriot. Uh huh. Tell us a bit about him. So he's a... Um... He's a son of Smart Spook, and he's out of Ann Salmon's good mare. Um, done it a little rough. Um, the place I'm at now, Toy on Ranch, they raised him. They purchased an egg from Ann and raised him. And um, I started him as a two-year-old, and he was special from the beginning. So um, had him as a as a two-year-old, and then during his three-year-old year, they decided they wanted to sell him, and I knew I wanted to keep him. So I called, contacted one of my other customers, Shannon and Herschel Reed, and um, they were definitely at first they weren't interested, but um, but there's a neat story behind that, and they they came and and um, looked at him and and decided that they would buy him, and they bought him right before. Tulsa, so right before the first horse show. So there's a neat story behind that. Are you open to sharing what that story is? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, well, I guess he wasn't really looking for a three-year-old. I actually had a couple of other three-year-olds. And, um, and so she kind of said, no, I'm not interested at first. But uh, she went home and she just prayed about it. And, um, and she felt like, you know, it's the right thing to do. And so she came and when she looked at him, she really she could just feel a connection there so um so yeah she kind of that kind of changed her mind and and um boy we're so all of us are so glad that they bought him said he was special from the start he was you know um he didn't give me any trouble i always call him a saint because he's quiet he's soft he's he's like riding a gildan he's I mean, there's no steadiness. There's no disagreeable. He just comes out and does his job. I mean, he's he's truly a saint. You think he's just born that way? Yep, I do. I think the good Lord made him that way. <laughs> so how does that change your approach? You get a horse like that. Does it change how you work with them? No. Um, you know, so for me, I want all of my horses to go at their level. You know, I've had a I had a smart spook mare one time. That um, I told the customers she wasn't going to make the futurity. You know, she just was immature, and I didn't want to push her, and I didn't want, you know, I knew she couldn't handle it mentally. So I just I go at their pace, and as I was going at her pace, um, I took her to the NRBC as a three-year-old just to ride around, and she was greener than some people's two-year-olds, probably a lot of people's two-year-olds. But I just, I just. You know, I knew she couldn't handle it at that time and just kind of my process is more like the turtle than the hare and just slow and steady. And I showed her at the developing futurity there in Tulsa in August and she ended up winning it. 
And we decided, you know, maybe we can show her the maturity. But I knew mentally still she was immature. So I um, did not take her to any other shows. And that that show, I showed her two-handed. So the first time I showed her one-handed was at the maturity. But I could tell that she probably couldn't take too many shows just at her maturity level. Um, But it worked out great because she ended up making the level four finals and ended up 16th in the finals at the futurity. So, um, you know, it was a little bit of a shock. I didn't expect her to, to step up, but those last few months, her maturity level just changed and she, she got confident and kept on, um, and ended up, you know, performing for us in the end. And I feel like if I'd tried to hurry her, I would not have had her where she was. So for me with, Patriot or all of them, I try to go at their pace. Now, he obviously was very mature from the beginning. He was like an old soul right off the bat and um, obviously incredible talent. So it was easy to take him through the training process because he had the maturity and he had the ability. Um, So it makes my job a lot easier. What does that, I'm curious what that looks like, you know, the immature horse versus the mature horse. Like what are the signs enables you to recognize one or the other you know one thing that's that's easily recognizable is when you get on and they're ready to do their job you know the like the one mayor you know you're you're trotting her around you're trying to build her confidence you're you know you're trying to get her soft and supple and just taking your time that to me i do a lot of things at the trot the trot's like the thinking gear in my opinion um and so just just getting her to relax and getting her to understand where I'd bring him out, trot a few circles. He's ready. He says, yes, I'm ready to work, you know, and so I can tell his maturity level is, is much greater than, um, than hers. And, and I mean, I have some mares that are very mature and, you know, and some studs that are very mature. So, I mean, it's, it just, it's an individual basis. It's on the horse, not the necessarily a mare or a stud or a gilded. Right. So then you were coming off the fraternity, having some strong runs on Patriot. Mm-hmm. Did you know you had the horse to win that RBC? I did not know that he was the winner. Um, I I was proud of his run at the fraternity, but I knew there's a lot more speed in there. And so I, when I got through with the fraternity, I came home and I decided that I needed to make him run, get comfortable running fast circles, get comfortable running because he is a little on the quieter side. And, and I think if, if I'm a little quiet and he's a little quiet, we're not going to get that pizzazz we need. So I went ahead and, and just worked on stepping him up and getting him um, to be more aggressive and more comfortable at a higher rate of speed before the NRBC. To get that out of him, do you have to ride more aggressively? Yes, I do. Um, I sure do. I have to. Um, I have to get yeah, get more aggressive and get him to run. And I kind of pick one day a week. Um, and so my training program is a little different than a lot of people because I separate my maneuvers throughout the week. I um, I'll do my circles on Monday, and most of the time it's guiding and, and you know, small circles, large, fast, some, small, slow, um, and make sure they guide around. I'll also I'll work on the spins a little bit every day. I'll work on the lead changes um, a little bit every day, but a lot of times I'll, do, I'll work on, like, maybe my lead change from left to right, 
and I work on my left rollback on Monday. And then Tuesday, I'll work my right to left lead change and my right rollback on Tuesday. And I'll just flip-flop every day. On Tuesdays also, I'll work the left lead stop. So I don't, I'll circle them a little bit as a warm up, but I'm not going to run circles and slow down and do all the maneuvers there. I'm going to just work my left lead stop. Wednesday, I go back to circling and Wednesday I do, that's when I kind of run. So I make sure I have that day Wednesday to run hard in my circles and work on, um, making sure they run. And sometimes, you know, maybe I'll work just one set of circles. You know, if I'm having a, a problem or I need to to work it out, I run that large fast to the left and I get if if they're hot and I've, you know, I've worked them enough, then I'm not going to go work the right set of circles. For me on all of these maneuvers, I try not to get everything done in one day. I try to work on a specific maneuver, perfect it, and then the next day I'll save save the horse for, you know, the next maneuver. And so Thursdays I'll do right lead stops. Fridays I'm back to circling. And I think it also kind of like a, um, you know, a bodybuilder or something. It, I'm resting the muscles they're using for stops. They get a day away from stops. They get circles and then they're back to stops on Thursday. So I think it helps them stay stronger. And um, it's just uh, the program's kind of evolved for me in that way. So it's a little bit different than a lot of them that do everything in one day. So it's pretty consistent across all your horses that, yes. that approach. Yep. So all I work Tuesday morning, the first one to the last one, we're working the left lead, you know, run down. Maybe we're not stopping much. Maybe we're working the run down and I'll trot them around the end and run down and, and get the work on the run down being straight and quiet and relaxed and comfortable. And so, yeah, I'll work that maneuver. And then when they do a good job, I'm done. So I don't want to keep harping on them saying that, you know, you're, this isn't good enough. The minute I feel improvement, I quit and do something else. So that sounds like something that has evolved over time, getting to that point. Do, is there anything that like stands out over that period of time and like how you ended up getting there? Yes, for sure. So I lived down in Madisonville, Texas, and um, we loved it down there. I did not have a covered arena. So I stopped when the good Lord allowed sunshine and dry dirt. And so when I moved up here in 2009 and had a covered arena, I did not have to work on stops when the weather, you know, it, Mm. it was that consistency. And as I worked on that consistent or had that consistency, it just kind of formed into, you know, I can work on stops Tuesday, Thursdays, you know, and not have to do it every, all week long. And then it kind of formed into, well, I'll work the left lead stop. You know, I'd start on the left lead and I'd work it. And, um, you know, whether it, it took a while on some horses, I'm like, well, I'll just do the right lead on Thursday. And so then I realized, you know, they can come out here and I'm always looking for any improvement. And if I if they improve, I want to reward that. And so I can reward that and put them back up. And I feel like they learn a lot quicker on that um, maneuver by focusing on it. And then as soon as they improve, rewarding the, the improvement. Yeah, very cool. So then back to the NRBC, how did you feel leading up to it? Um. You know, I felt I felt really good, really confident about. I mean, he he was he's um, 
is a horse that gives you a lot of confidence because he goes and does his job. So I wasn't, I, I didn't have any really concerns. I was just really went there to enjoy it, you know, enjoy having a horse like him to show, um, you know, when we made the finals, just another part to, to enjoy and, and, um, and it, and yeah, and it was real enjoyable there at the end. Yeah, I imagine it was. <laughs> well, it's, that's interesting you say that because I think a lot of us, especially non-pros, talk about that. Like, we're doing this for fun after all, right? Yeah. We're not doing it to become millionaires yeah, or, for or sure. anything like that. Have you always been that way? Just kind of being able to have that mentality or is that something that is developed? So, um, definitely developed because, you know, I think all of us being competitive, I was very, I was not a very good, uh, loser and, you know, would get uptight at the shows and, and through my life, I've had a lot of, of mentors and, um, but, you know, my walk with the Lord really helped my whole horse showing because, He's in charge of the outcome, and and if I don't worry about the outcome and just enjoy the what's going on, and you know I want to honor him whether I'm in the stands sitting there watching the finals or whether I'm in the finals, and that really gave me a piece about showing. And I mean I'm still competitive, but now I enjoy the horse shows instead of being the sore loser. I remember one year at the NRBC, I sat in my horse trailer. And didn't watch the finals because I was just frustrated and, and, you know, so that was, that's no way to be. And so I had, I've, I've had a lot of growing, you know, and grown my relationship with the Lord, which has been able to give me a better understanding of how to compete and how to um, be a good winner, good loser, and enjoy it instead of stress over it. This may be a per- too personal of a question, but was there a moment when you, you just mentioned that? time at the NRBC where you, you sat in the trailer was, did you have a moment where you thought like, this is not how I want to be? This is not how the Lord wants me to be. You know, I don't know the exact moment, um, but I do remember this. I remember that time. And I, and honestly, I believe that time was before I ever made a finals. Probably. I don't know if it, well, that's not true. Maybe before I ever made a level four finals, mm-hmm. I had been in the, some of the three and stuff, but I'd never made the level four finals when I, had that bad attitude at that point. And that was a, a low and it wasn't long after that. I decided I wasn't going to be that way um, because, you know, that's not a way to glorify the Lord. And I re- I remember, you know, after that, like working towards through prayer and stuff saying, all right, I, I need to um, need to be better. But I also remember there was a year um, I don't remember the year, but I had made the level four finals five years in a row in the futurity and I missed and I didn't make it by half a point. I was like kicked out right at the end. So the the five years before I had and I was going to sit in the stands and I said, Lord, thank you. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to honor you here in the stands and I'm not going to. And I did. I had an enjoyable time watching watching the futurity and and um, and then. And then it's, it's, so it's, it just takes away so much pressure having a piece, you know, and it just is, um, just makes it so much more fun, you know? And, um, and then, you know, obviously, the, and that was probably two or three years ago. Um, and, um, so yeah, it, it definitely was probably two or three years ago where I, I really said, all right, this is, this is how I want to be. I want to be better than I was before. 
Do you bring that into your, your preparation? Is there anything that you, you sit and think about as you're preparing to show or is it just natural now? You know, it is becoming the subconscious. Um, so that's, that's definitely helpful. Um, but my, my, um, I try to be focused on the performance when I come into it. Like, so before I go in, I mean, I'm just focusing on the pattern and, you know, what my circles are going to be like. And, and so I guess it's a distraction or it's a way of thinking about how to perfect every maneuver in there as, and this is like right before I go in, mm-hmm. right before I go in, I visualize a perfect pattern and then I'll go and compete and, and I would like to be in the subconscious because if I'm thinking I'm, I'm messing up, you know, I want it to just flow. And then I come out and I focus on another perfect pattern, whether that pattern in there was perfect or not. And so at least I have two perfect patterns. <laughs> I may not have three perfect patterns, but I have two perfect patterns. And that just helps me, you know, just just that positive thinking and just, you know, um, and if I did have a mistake in there, then I go and, and make a solution for it. So it's not a negative. It's just a way to to get better. So if something went wrong, I either have the solution and know what I need to do to go home or I go get the solution. I mean, that's what's great about the raining. I Anybody there has helped me, I'm sure. Any trainer you can name, they've, they've you know, we, it's just a great, group of people and everybody's trying to help everybody. And, and I mean, I've, I've been benefited from, from everybody there. Just anybody I've talked to has helped me. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Take us through that. When you're thinking about that perfect pattern, can you maybe walk us through that a little bit? Is it, and how you visualize that pattern? Yeah. So I'll separate it. So like if, if, um, you know, I kind of have to go through a pattern. So if we did pattern eight, so I'll visualize myself walking to the center and standing there with the horse correct. And so the first part of pattern eight is to spin four spins to the left. And so I'm going to visualize myself putting the neck rein on and that horse starting with its inside foot. So a perfect start and then one, two, three, four, and a perfect stop where I look up and I see the judge and I'm in line. And then I'll visualize the right spins in the same where I lay the neck rein on the neck. He starts with his inside foot, a perfect start. He's not back or, fo- or or moving around a little bit. He has a perfect start. One, two, three, four, stop and look up at that judge and have that, that perfect shut off. And then I'll lope off and, um, and I'll visualize a perfect set of circles where he loped right off and he went right into the run, ran too large fast. I try to visualize it from sitting on that horse, but that's not easy. I, you know, the bird's eye view is easy to visualize that pattern. The in the seat is harder, but I think it's better for you. Mm. Um, one thing that helps, I'll share this too. I, sometimes I ride with dribbling goggles here at home. And um, they're little goggles that, that basketball players will put on, and they have little blinders there at the bottom of your eye, and that keeps you from looking down. It keeps you looking up. You know, and looking up is so important in that pattern because where you're looking, that horse knows where you're going. You know, they can read your mind pretty much with your eyes. And so if I'm coming down and slowing down in that circle and looking down, he doesn't know if I'm going to keep circling to the right or if I'm going to go left. And so looking up is very um, important. And so I try to visualize myself in the saddle, looking up, you know, seeing the wall come by me and running that that large, fast, small, slow. 
And then in pattern eight, it's big, small, big, and then we'll change leads. And so I visualize my lead change and going to the left, big, small, big, and um, changing and then coming around the end where he changes and he slows down and relaxes. And so I visualize myself looking up, looking at the wall at the other end of the arena and running down there um, and then getting a great stop. I visualize how a great stop would feel for me in the rollback. I'm going to look before I move my hand so I'm going to look add a little hand and then visualize that perfect rollback loping around the end again my second stop and rollback just visualizing it and then visualizing my last stop and back and I visualize that perfect pattern and then I walk in that pin as I'm trotting around warming getting him right before they call my name I'm just kind of going through that what that perfect pattern looks like and you know horses they feel us and they you know, they, they it's such a neat in sync with the horse and rider. And so, you know, you go out there and you expect that perfect pattern. You just visualized more times than not, you will get a more perfect pattern. It may not be perfect, but it will be more perfect because you just visualize and expected it, you know, there. And that horse, they'll give it to you, you know, with, if you expect it. When you're in that show pen, well, first, I love the dribbling glasses yeah that's the first time i've heard that it sounds like a really great way to, yeah, to train your they're eyes they're a little funny when you're wearing them but <laughs> but it does help when you're in the show pen are you thinking about exactly what you're doing in that moment or is a part of you thinking ahead and if so how far ahead so um i have i have studied some different um mental management or like how to be competitive and they want you to be in the subconscious. So the conscious mind is here at home practicing, practicing and practicing. When I go in that show pen, it needs to be natural. So I try not to think about anything. You know, when you, sometimes I come out and like they say, did you hear the, did you hear me cheer? And then I'm like, no, I didn't hear you because I am just in that subconscious. So it, it's, it's, um, you know, it doesn't, didn't happen at first. It didn't happen when I was a kid starting out in the raining. Um, but as, the more I um, prepare, I prepare for that perfect pattern. And then I go in and try to let it um, just happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I try not to think about anything. <laughs> let the horse do all the work. Right. <laughs> right. Well, get out of their way is what I hear yeah, a lot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you go out, you have your run in the prelims on Patriot at the NRBC. Mm -hmm. You follow those steps that you just walked us through. You make the finals. What are you thinking and feeling at that point? You know, um, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm blessed to be on a great animal, and I just want to show how great he is that, you know, I have known since he was two, he was great. And I just wanted him to show others that he was great because I, I've always knew it and felt it. And, um, that was what was so neat about that moment is, is he showed how, what a neat horse he is. You know, he, he stepped up and, and, and showed everybody there what, he, uh, what I had always felt, but you know, you never know if it's going to come, you know, you feel like it's, it's, that's the horse that has that ability, but, but, um, you never know and, until it happens. So, but, but there in the finals or before the finals, you know, I had one lady that interviewed me and asked me about, um, 
you know, hearing Jason's score and um, how that affected me, I said, I had no idea what he scored. I said, for me, it is my performance. I try not to think about what other people are doing. I just want the best performance that me and the horse can make. And um, and so it's not about the numbers. It's not about the outcome. It's about um, me and him doing the best job we can in that arena. Sounds like you wanted it, wanted it for him just as much as you wanted it for yourself. Yes, for sure. For sure. So then there's a pretty interesting story I read about once you tied with Jason. So you had to make the decision between running off or, you know, being Uh co-champions. What was the thought process like around that for you? So, um, for me, again, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty attached to this horse. So he just made an incredible run, the highest score, you know, that I've ever scored until the Derby. Um, and I don't want him to ask him to do it again. You know, I was proud of him. I'm like, wow, it's, you know, this is a, a definitely a highlight in my career. And um, so I, you know, Jason had already had the triple crown before. And I thought, I said, hey, Jason, you're, two thirds of the way there and I'm fine just calling it, calling it how it is. And he said, okay, let me talk to my owner. So he talked to his owner and he said, yeah, let's, let's do that. They were both four year olds, you know, so that's a lot to ask of, of any horse, but especially a four year olds, um, because they're, they've just come off the futurity. I mean, they're, you know, I tell people most four year olds, it's, it's kind of still like driving a standard, you know, they're not automatic yet. So it's still, um, it's, it's, you know, so just giving them that break, I think was great. And, um, and yeah, it worked out, worked out great. Thank you for listening to finding the feel tune in next week for part two and hear more from Nathan. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook to join the conversation, subscribe in your favorite podcast app to catch the next episode. And if you've enjoyed this one, please share with a friend. It's very much appreciated until next time.